morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another fiery, feisty Friday morning, friends. Poor Torch Report 388. The only way out is through. There is a time for everything under the sun, and is it time now to do what must be done? Now, Friends, soon I will be returning to the stellar, full-spectrum news analysis that so many of you have subscribed for. But I do appreciate you sticking with me for a uh, a week of deeper contemplation, shall we say. You know, I've had a lot on my mind. There's been a lot on my heart. And I kind of think, I suspect that there's been a lot on your mind, a lot on your heart, too. So as I'm processing this for myself, I think maybe it resonates with some. Uh, maybe for others, you're like, gosh, I wish this guy would just shut his mouth and get back to the news. I don't know. I don't know where you let me know where you stand, friends. But the question, like, how do we win? Is it even possible for us to win? We were facing insurmountable odds, seemingly overwhelming obstacles, uh, you know, all this kind of uh, <laughs> overwhelming odds, insurmountable obstacles. Can we overcome it? You know, what, what does it look like to win here? How, what is it, you know, am I doing everything I can to impact the future, to contribute to solutions that will benefit my offspring? That's really what it gets down to. And the truth is, I do believe that victory is possible. It's not going to be easy. You know, we will not win this culture war or the forthcoming civil war, which I do believe seems inevitable at this point. Uh, Without a great deal of personal sacrifice, without some pain, friends, we're not going to just get through this comfortably, okay? That's the long-term reality. And for those who have already prepared for the manufactured food shortages that are going to be real and the energy crisis that's, you know, intentional, now we sit and wait. We wait with that heavy sense of knowing that someday we're going to have to defend what is ours. And that friend, that day, I think, friends, is, is very close to being upon us. And so I've asked the question, where's the line in the sand? At what point do we fight back and how? You know, wh- Where's your personal line in the sand? At what point are you going to be willing to stand up and fight back? You know, what does organized opposition to systemic oppression actually look like? I have concluded personally that in every possible scenario, no matter how many ways you try to play this out, uh, the the most strategic and advantageous thing that we can do is build relationships, build networks, and communicate our concerns with conviction. The mission now is to build alliances and help other people prepare for the day that when SHTF, when stuff hits the fan, which is rapidly approaching, it's again, it's almost upon us. You know, yes. Yes, the 2024 political theater is entertaining. It is enticing. Uh, Yes, the indictment of Donald Trump is indicative of heinous injustice. Absolutely. Yes, we have a wannabe dictator in the White House. All of this is true and it's important, but there's more to the story. It's also true that the globalists continue advancing their various schemes to implement total global control. That's true as well. The Great Reset continues to advance the overarching agenda to centralize political decision-making in the hands of so-called enlightened leaders. That's happening. Uh, 
the secret cabal, the secret global cabal to quote Rockefeller again, you know, he's very actively working to undermine the United States and conspire to usurp the will of the American people. The global cabal is working against us every second of every day. The commies are never sleeping, friends. And yet, you know, even worse, these elite sociopathic evildoers, they are wielding weaponized artificial intelligence. They are covertly conditioning the masses with algorithmic social interventions that are already actively controlling emerging public perceptions. They're changing the way people think before they even realize that they're thinking it. And they're doing this through the trusted news initiatives. They're doing it by controlling the flow of information, by directing the national narrative, by manipulating public opinion. And they're manipulating people's perspectives. They're manipulating people's emotions. They're manipulating people's behavior. Specifically, they're manipulating how people vote. And friends, all of this is coming to a head in 2024. And I think they know that. And I think that's why they have predicted that we're going to have a hung election and a civil war. They want outrage. They want war. And they're going to get it. Come hell or high water. Okay? Now, when you think about the outrage that's going on in society, you know, this collision course between the left and the right, right? The left is outraged over the trans genocide. It's a national state of emergency. We got trans genocide. We've got systemic racism. You know, we've got this war on women. And of course, all of this, which the left is completely unhinged about, very emotionally outraged, all of these things are fictitious mental constructs. It doesn't exist in reality. It's completely incongruent with reality. Nevertheless, people are pissed off about it on the left. These these ill-conceived social causes that people are so fired up about, it really only exists in these cesspool liberal cities, right? Where the where the ruling elites enjoy an unholy control over the domesticated herd. It's the herd mentality, but they can they can grip the public psyche in the in the you know in the liberal cesspool cities, that's where they can control people the easiest. That's where these leftist, where this leftist outrage stems from. Now, on the right side, on the other hand, the right side is outraged by the lawlessness. We're outraged by the political persecution and the rampant corruption, the lack of justice, the stolen elections, and the utter destruction of the American way of life. That's what pisses me off. I think that's what pisses you off. That's what pisses a lot of people off. And just to be very clear here, People on both sides are very pissed off right now, but we have much more to be angry about than these damn leftists who are, you know, you know, up in arms about trans genocide and all that BS, you know. We have much more to be angry about, and we have every reason in the world to explode with righteous indignation. And when the wrath of American patriots is finally unleashed, it will be fully justified. And it will be long overdue. Rural, rural Americans, my, my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains, we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because that's our cultural heritage. Our cultural heritage is one of moral restraint, of self-discipline, of hard damn work, and of minding our own damn business. But in our hearts, we know there is a time for everything under the sun including a time for making a stand and fighting back. As it is written, 
There is a time for everything, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to uproot, a time to tear down, a time to kill, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Now, that's coming out of Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And of course, there's a lot more in there. I just put half of it in there, okay? But is now a time for silence and peace? Is now a time to weep and mourn the loss of what was? Is now a time to uproot and tear down? Uproot the corruption? Tear down the institutions that are oppressing the American people? Is now a time for hatred and war? I hate seeing these sick bastards messing with our children, perverting and grooming and abusing our children. I hate that. Am I willing to fight against that? Yes, I am. Is now a time for hatred and war? Friends, I, I can't answer these questions for anyone but myself. But if anyone lacks wisdom, we're told to ask God. Right? If anyone lacks, uh, lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach. James 1, 5, and 6. You know, if, if you're asking these sorts of questions, I suggest that you pray, that you search your heart for peace. Believe that the answers will come. You will know what to do, and you'll know when to do it. That said, that said, friends, in all fairness, think about how much insanity has been carried out in the name of God? Now, I'm about to do a hard right, you know, like, whoa, wasn't expecting that, okay? Think about how much insanity has been carried out in the name of God. People strap bombs on their bodies and blow up innocent people screaming, Alu Akbar, which is to say in their language, God is great. Boom, okay? History is rife with crusades of religious believers murdering and conquering their neighbors all for the glory of God. This is an ugly and difficult truth, and yet it is human nature, is it not? Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Now, I do not judge people for not believing in God or not going to church or what have you, precisely because of this sort of thing. They can point at the history and say, look, look, people believe in God. They do all kinds of crazy things. And for that reason, I do not believe that it is wise to think that we're fighting for God. I'm fighting for God. God gave me a great big gun. I'm fighting for God. No, no, time out, wrong. Ah, ah, ah. You know, warning, warning, okay? Some people are quick to quip. If God is for us, then who can stand against us? Okay, we're again, we're invoking God here. And I believe that that too is misplaced faith. Okay, yes, it says that in the scriptures. Yes, if God is for us, who can stand against us? Against us? But how many soldiers have held that faith only to be slain in battle? How is this any different than a jihadi's belief in martyrdom? Do you see what I'm saying here? In my mind, this is not a logical stance, okay? And wars must be won by logic and strategy. Logic and strategy. Faith is important, but hopium is fatal. It is true that the hand of providence will inevitably, inevitably play its part. It is, it is critical to proceed without being blinded by our faith. Yes, yes, there's, there's, you know, <laughs> there are things at play here. 
Yes, you know, the powers and principalities of darkness and all that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, but we must proceed without being blinded by our faith. This is not, I repeat, my friends, this is not a Christian insurrection. This is not merely a fight between God's people and the stinking pink pinko commie heathens in the world, okay? And to believe that it is would be painfully short-sighted. It is not just God's people against the pinko commie heathens. That's not the case, okay? Painfully short-sighted. This is a fight for our country. It's a battle for the heart and soul of America, yes, but more than anything, it is a battle for control over territory and resources, logically speaking. Okay. It's a war fought for the right to live on the land in the way that we choose and to repel and expel those who are actively attempting to infiltrate and conquer our lands. Right? They want to infiltrate and conquer our lands, to divide and conquer us all. They want to control our territory. Plain and simple. They want to rule the land according to the dictates of global governance. They want to impose their will by force and demand that we all comply with whatever rules, whatever regulations they come up with, okay? With complete disregard for local autonomy or the will of the people. They want everyone everywhere to do the same thing and do what they say, period. You will own nothing, eat bugs, and be happy or else. You know, that's what they've said. But why? Why do they say that? Why do they believe that? Why do people buy into that? Why do they say that you will own nothing? By the year 2030, you will own nothing. Friends, this is the abolition of private property, which comes directly from the Communist Manifesto. I know that you probably know that. But why do they believe this is what is best? And the answer is because they believe, they, the useful idiots, believe that private property is inherently inequitable. It's not fair for there to be landowners and renters. They, the useful idiots, believe that the land belongs to everyone, and therefore they vote to give the government control over all the land. That way, the government can make sure that everything is equitable. Now, the commies who are pulling the strings behind the curtain they take great delight in exploiting these useful idiots, understanding that someone has to be the boss. Someone has to manage the land. Someone has to tell people what to do. And once the government has laid siege to and confiscated the private property of citizens, then they'll have gained an immense degree of control over the population, over our lives, right? They, they control the land, they control the means of production and consumption and the food supply and everything else. It's centralized power and control. It's communism. It's the collective hive mind. It's absolute effing insanity, but friends, it's coming formally to a town near you. In reality, it's already here at the national level, at the state level even, depending on your state. Now, their agenda is always sold as being for the greater good. And of course, some elements of the agenda are sold as being necessary for public health and safety, but it all ties back into the triple planetary crisis and, and this urgent need to sacrifice humanity in order to save the planet. Okay. The point is this, this is not just a Christian issue. 
It is not just Christians who are being attacked in all this, though. Yes, Christians are being singled out and attacked. That's for sure, you know, because they believe and they have faith that there's a higher power and they can overcome this tyranny. That's part of the reason there. But it's not just the Christians who are being attacked in all of this. And it's certainly not just the Christians who are standing opposed to it. Think about all the people who go to church who didn't take a stand against the COVID tyranny. And you'll, you'll really quickly get what I'm saying here. We need to connect and collaborate with people who have many different beliefs in order to band together in sufficient numbers with sufficient resources and sufficient manpower to withstand the globalist assimilation and enslavement of the masses. That's the truth. Now, if you want to build a voting block that can outvote all of these useful idiots, then the precipitous decline of religious conviction, friends, if you just look out there and realize a lot of people don't go to church anymore, a lot of people don't believe the way they used to believe anymore, if we just take a logical look at that fact, then we realize we can't cast a vision just on faith alone, okay? We can't just say, oh, we're going to be the religious right. We're going to be a Christian nation. No, we, I mean, we can believe that personally, but that is not going to be the vision that brings people together. And in order to build that coalition of people to outweigh and overcome these useful idiots who have been cobbled together by a bunch of Marxist, progressive, commie hacks, then we're going to have to work with people who we disagree with. Too many people are put off by religion. Too many people are put off by pretentious, you know, religious convictions. And, oh, oh you're so holier than now and all that crap. And of course, you know, there are some people that revel in that. Ha, they wear their faith on their sleeves and they're proud of their faith. And you don't like my faith? Well, piss off. Great, that's fine. But don't revel in that, friends. You need to realize that strategically speaking, shunning people who don't share your faith is political and national suicide. If we shun people who don't believe the same way that we believe, it is political and national suicide. They are using religion to divide and conquer us is what I'm getting at here. Okay, The American Revolution was fought not to establish a Christian nation. I'll say it again. The American Revolution was fought not to establish a Christian nation where everyone believed the exact same thing. Now, I know some of you may be hopping up and down about that, but the truth, that's the truth. The American Revolution was fought to establish a nation of free individuals wherein people could choose to believe what they wanted to and they could live according to their own convictions. It was a wild and risky experiment, you know. The law of the land, of course, the Constitution, etc., was established, and it was established uh, only for a, uh, it was only suitable for a moral and a righteous people. As John Adams famously stated, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. Okay, And yet, in their inspired wisdom, our forefathers, our founding fathers, they realized that compelling people to go to church, forcing people to profess faith, or expecting that everyone everywhere was going to believe the exact same thing, that was an entirely foolish proposition. Religious tyranny is no better than political tyranny. And the only way to, because they had just left religious tyranny, right? The Catholic, Roman Catholic Church and domination of belief systems. Everybody has to believe this way. 
Hey, that's religious tyranny. Oh, Protestants say, no, we believe this way. We don't have to go to the priest. We could just read the Bible or ask God and, and learn for ourselves directly, right? All of that kind of stuff leading up to the uh, and, and the American Revolution. Anyway, I'm not a historian, friends. I'm just an ignorant peasant. But the way I see it, they understood religious tyranny was no better than political tyranny. And the only way to prevent both was to set people free. Let people live their lives. Let people learn for themselves. Sure, minister to them. Sure, show them the way. Teach them to fish and to be fishers of men, but don't demand it. It is in the spirit of mutual respect, I believe, that we must move forward. There are those who value life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness who don't go to church, who don't profess faith, who might not even believe in God in the biblical sense. But but these people are still on our side. They're still American patriots, good old-fashioned, red-blooded American patriots. And many of them are willing to fight and die for our country. Many of them already have. And when the time comes to rise up and fight back, many of them will rise up with us, friends. This, you know, the, 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 this, this, this storm that they're, we're in right now, the situation, the sticky situation, there's really no way of knowing how it will all play out. But as nature would have it, I believe that the only way to get through this, the only way out of this mess is to get through this mess. And in order to get through this mess, we're going to have to get through it together. There is no other way. Way, friends, and that is the message of my heart for today. I'll, uh, I'll be getting back to the news analysis next week, friends. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace the rest of this fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.